Hello, I'm Tim Tedder, and I want to welcome you to another Recovery Room podcast. This is episode 210. You can get the episode notes and a free download by going to affairhealing.com slash podcast 210. And if you're new to our resources, a great place to start is on our Start Here page. I guess that makes sense. Just go to affairhealing.com slash start here. Type that in as one word, start here. And we'll introduce you to some of the best resources we offer to anyone who's working through a fair healing, whether you're a betrayed partner or an unfaithful partner or a couple who are working together towards your recovery. You'll find some excellent resource options there. One other thing I want to ask to the many of you who listen to our podcast and express your appreciation for them. It is so valuable when you just take a minute to go to either Apple Podcast or Stitcher or Google Play or whatever service you use to listen to these podcasts and post a review. Give us a thumbs up, five stars, whatever the system is. We put a lot of effort into making these and we want to keep doing it, but it is so helpful and encouraging and helps get the word out there if you let us and others know that these have value to you. So please pause this, take just a few minutes to do that, and we will be so thankful. I recently sat down with the two other counselors associated with a fair healing, and we discussed things that people who had been betrayed wished their partners understood about what they were going through. I hope you'll benefit from our conversation. Welcome to The Recovery Room, a podcast presented by AffairHealing.com. Here are your hosts, Tim, Sharon, and Jennifer. What are the things we hear from betrayed spouses that they wish their cheating spouses understood? I think that probably a fair amount would say the pain of you cheating on me and then lying about it and making me feel crazy um, for a long period of time is worse than the pain of you saying, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore and just going ahead and leaving and getting out and letting me go. If I ever really truly felt like I wanted to have an affair with somebody else, like that I was falling for somebody or something. I would separate from my marriage before I did anything to act on that thing. So what you're saying, Sharon, which I think expresses a common feeling, is that the betrayed spouse would rather have the unfaithful person leave and stop trying to work on the marriage or pretend they want the marriage and still be kind of holding on to the affair, mm -hmm. covering up, mm -hmm. lying, then going back to the affair again. Mm -hmm. It would be better for them just to leave than to keep you or to keep their spouse entangled in this back and forth thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think what I would want the betraying spouse to know is that it is that painful to have your spouse cheating on you. Yeah. That you would rather they just leave or let you go and let you deal with that kind of grief and heartbreak and moving forward than to be pulled and ripped over and over like that. You can at least be that respectful. If you mm -hmm. are uncertain or you're being deceitful, at least respect your spouse enough to back away from the marriage while you're figuring your stuff yes. out. Don't pretend like you're working on stuff or you want something. Being saying something to your spouse and then something else to the affair partner. Right. Just... Yeah, and well, I think that it's a matter of respect. Not only respect from the person that's having the affair toward their spouse, but also the betrayed spouse for themselves. 
It's like respect on both sides mm -hmm. for the betrayed spouse. The betrayed spouse has to love themselves and take good enough care of themselves during this time to be able to say, no, I am not going to allow this to happen and just kind of be dragged around while you try to make up your mind whether you want me or you want your affair partner. You know, they've got to like love themselves and have enough compassion on themselves to be able to say, no, 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 I need space. If you're not, if you're not ready to do this marriage a hundred percent, then we need to take some time. The second thing that many times betrayed partners wish their spouses or partners understood was that I need the truth. I need the truth. Mm -hmm. And along with that, need you to understand that your honesty about what has happened or what is happening is more important to me than just the facts. What do you mean by that? A lot of times when couples come in and the betrayed spouse is asking about the affair, the betrayer will be cautious about giving answers. You know, these details aren't going to make me look bad, or maybe they're even going to hurt you. So what's the value of giving the facts? Mm -hmm. When the reality is, most of the time, even when the facts are pretty horrendous and painful, what the betrayed spouse wants is evidence that this person who's been lying to them, who's been dishonest with them, is finally willing to be honest, even about stuff that's difficult to be honest about. Sure. That's the value. Your willingness to be honest about stuff I know you don't want to tell me. I need to know whether I can trust you moving forward mm -hmm. or not. And yes, I know the answers are going to be painful and difficult, but that's secondary to just your willingness truth. to be honest. I think no matter how small or how big the facts are, just say whatever you remember about whatever happened. Just be honest. Just let the guard come down. We give guidelines in other podcasts and writings. I mean, there are some things we discourage having conversations about. There's a level of detail and so forth, well, especially about stuff, sexual especially, stuff. Yeah. What's more painful than hearing the details is asking a question, being lied to, only to find out later on mm -hmm. the truth. Yeah, yeah, whatever the reason whatever, for lying. Whatever, whether you're trying to protect me, protect yourself, whatever it is, yeah. it's always worse to find out there was more lies after more lies after oh, more lies. Gosh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that happens worst. so many times, oh, you know? Almost all the time. And, and talking to the person that had the affair, you know, they give their excuses of, well, this is only going to hurt, not help, if I give this information. So I've already done enough damage, so let me just keep the rest of this away from them. So they think their intentions are good, well, but that stuff comes out. To, yeah, I, I mean, The truth always comes out some way. It, it usually does. does. It usually yes, does. It all, it, way more often than they yes. expect it will. Yes. And it's always more damaging when it finally comes out again, because here you are saying, I'm being honest with you, and then they find out. That even in the honesty, there's lies. <laughs> yeah. That's that's just the total mind mess that, that is so hard to get over. Yeah. It's really behavior that's consistent with the affair. Yeah. That yeah. I'm going to control the information you You're know right. about yep. this because I believe that that's better yes. for me, for you, for yes. whatever. I'm going to choose what's best for you. Yes. <laughs> and it's really the person that needs to heal from the betrayal that needs to be the one that's saying, this is what I need from yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. And that absolutely. risk of honesty, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many people really struggle with understanding that, that risk of giving information that is difficult. It makes me look bad. It's I know it's going to be hurtful to you. Mm -hmm. And yet the value of being honest about that mm -hmm. is fundamental for reestablishing trust in the relationship again. Oh, absolutely. Again. Absolutely. Yeah. The third thing that many betrayed spouses wish their partners knew was that I can't get over this quickly. <laughs> yeah, this isn't a quick process, a month, and we're just back to where we were. And even better, it doesn't work that way. I think there needs to be understanding by the person who had the affair that 
this is a journey. Mm-hmm. It can take years. Mm-hmm. And anytime you try to tell your spouse to just get over it or why you still upset is not going to go over well. Well, it's adding to the hurt. Sure. It's like revictimizing or invalidating mm-hmm. what happened. Well, you know, I think the reason many times that the betrayer is ready to move on, one, who wants to sit in the reminders of <laughs> right. the bad yeah. things we've done? Right. That, that's hard to yeah, be absolutely. reminded of our guilt and feel shameful about that. So it's a very natural thing. But secondly, many times once the affair is revealed and that person deals with whatever issues they need to deal with, they're ready to move forward. Oh, sure. Okay, I've confessed it. It's I'm ready to rebuild and move forward. And the one who is betrayed is still stuck in the confusion of what happened. Yep. How am I supposed to respond to it? So they're stuck in the past for a while. Right. It's going to take times. And Jennifer, you said, you know, it can take years. Mm-hmm. And it can. I mean, it can take, you know, at least a couple mm-hmm. years for a lot of people. Oh, sure. I mean, minimal. Yeah. I, I always think about this in terms of what point is a couple going to get to the place where life and relationship and marriage starts to feel somewhat normal again. I mean, usually I look at a two-year mark for that. Now, it's a progression. It's steps of getting better and better. And and certainly times after that, there are going to be reminders and maybe some difficult days. Frankly, there are some couples, depending on the circumstances, that get to a pretty stable place after half a year or a year. But it's always longer than people expect it. It's harder than they want it to be. And especially the person that had the affair needs to understand. Yeah, they can't can't put an expiration date on them. (laughs) Hurt feeling should no. be done with. Yeah. They don't get to decide that after no. they're the one who caused the hurt. Yeah. yeah. You know, I just spoke with a client about this the other day. He just asked, you know, so so around how long? I've read books that say two to four years or whatever, and da, da, da. And I'm like, I never put time limits on any of it. Everybody grieves differently. Everybody takes a different amount of time. So as long as you are each doing what you can to heal and move forward, you just have to let it go and let it do its thing and naturally, organically kind of move through it. The fourth thing that betrayed spouses often wish their partners would understand is this. I want to know that my pain matters to you. Mm. What do they mean by that? The betrayed spouse wants to know that when they're hurting, when they're being triggered, when it comes up again, that you acknowledge the fact that you're the one who calls this. Yeah, what happens a lot of times instead of that? oh, it doesn't matter, you should be over this, or there's not that level of empathy, or they give excuses why things are different now and we shouldn't be feeling this way. But the reality is pain is pain, and if you're the one who caused it, you need to give voice to it. And I know a lot of times the person who had the affair probably feels very helpless because they can't go back and change what they did. But even just sitting next to somebody and holding them while they cry is a Mm. lot better than dismissing or invalidating how they feel. Absolutely. How many times do we hear that the response of the betrayer when pain comes up is either shutting down and withdrawing, because I don't want to be around Mm -hmm. that, or getting defensive and angry. Mm -hmm. But you described, Jennifer, what is really necessary is moving towards that pain, even if you can't fix it right now and don't have the solution to everything, a willingness to be close, a willingness to provide whatever comfort and relief you can in the moment, Mm -hmm. that's what's healing. Yeah, and if you don't know what your partner needs, ask them. Ask them what they need. Ask them what they need. And then don't reject whatever answer they give you. Yes. But instead, just do it. And I think part of that from the person that had the affair is realizing that they have to take a stance of being humble and vulnerable, Mm -hmm. and that is hard obviously. Mm -hmm. So, but each time a trigger comes up, 
They have to do that. They have to. They just have to be a little bit humble and a little bit vulnerable. Not that they have to like launch into, oh, I'm so sorry, over again. That's not what the betrayed spouse needs. But what they need is just this feeling of, yep, I see you. I see you. I feel that you are still in pain about this. I'm here for you. I, don't, I can't fix it, but I'm going to put my arm around you. I'm going to just be here for you. And I'm not going to leave you in that pain. Right. I'm not going to leave you in that pain or invalidate it mm -hmm. and tell you that it doesn't matter and that it's you're overreacting. I'm not going to do any of those things. I'm going to actually just be here. That And that's hard for people, I know, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And that brings us to the fifth thing that betrayed spouses wish their partners knew. It's kind of tied to why pain comes up many times. And it's this. The things that trigger me are not logical. It could be the color of a car. Mm -hmm. It could be a movie, or some, something somebody said on a TV show. So it's not a logical thing that happens. It's purely emotional. Mm -hmm. And when the brain gets triggered and that emotion comes to the surface, mm -hmm. trying to reason with your partner and talk them out of why they should feel that way mm -hmm. isn't going to go well. No. They need time to let that feeling and those emotions pass through them. And if there is something they're questioning you about, let's say there was an unexplained phone number that popped up or an email that there, there needs to be an explanation for, mm -hmm. telling them they shouldn't feel this way because it was really nothing, still not logical, right? Yeah. When that when that trigger happens, it's pure emotion. It's pure fear and worry that this is happening again. Yeah. So sit, like we said before, sit with them through it, mm -hmm. let them calm down. And then if there needs to be a logical explanation for why something is coming up, mm -hmm. that's the time to have that conversation, not when they're being triggered and so upset. Right. Absolutely. Um, I think about that book, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. That's all about trauma and how trauma affects the brain. And he had one of the best sentences in there, but he was talking about how the prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that is judgment and logic, right? Well, when you experience a trauma, that part of the brain literally goes offline. They do MRI scans and that part of the brain is just like quiet. Yet the amygdala, the limbic system, the one that is in charge of fight or flight and mm -hmm. panic and running and all the survival, that is like all lit up. And they've discovered that even when somebody is reliving a trauma, so meaning they're just remembering the thing that happened, their brain does the exact same thing. Those exact same systems go offline and online. And the way he said it was because the judgment part of your brain is offline, you are literally, quote, taking leave of your senses. You cannot think logically. That part of your brain is effectively the power switch is off. So you can't sit there and say, you shouldn't be feeling mm -hmm. this way, or you shouldn't be experiencing this, you know? That was just a coworker. That <laughs> was it, yeah. Me. Yeah, what is the matter with you? Yeah, yeah. you're crazy. Yeah. Why are you acting yeah. like a crazy person? Right. <laughs> we'll put a link to that book in our show notes, oh, yeah. fairhealing.com slash podcast 210, if you want to read the book. It's really an excellent resource. Oh, it really is. If you're interested in it. I, I wish we could just implant that into the brain of unfaithful spouses, yeah. that the reality is... These painful triggers are going to pop up when neither you or your partner expect or want them to mm. pop up. So the unfaithful spouse needs to recognize, okay, that's going to happen. I've got to be prepared for it. Don't try to argue them out of it. No. Don't try to... And don't blame them for it. You know, don't yeah. be like, I can't believe you're still choosing to live here. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, they're not choosing this. They would have never chosen this mm -hmm. yeah. in the... any, any possible thing. They would never have chosen this. And for the spouse who was betrayed, 
It's the recognition that you're not a crazy person. No. Yeah. Like, it's literally it your brain. It feels crazy, It feels it? crazy. Yeah. You know, logically, when you calm down, you don't want to feel that way. You don't want to no. react in that way. Oh, my gosh. But understanding that there is part of it that is with, outside of your control. Like, it you is. talked about sharing with the limbic system. You just can't. It no. does. It shuts down. So, until it's about 20 minutes about. <laughs> yeah. Well, you need to calm down. Yeah. Do something to get you through it. Your brain calms down and, and realizes can... that it's safe and yes. that you're not, it's not happening again. Yep. But you felt like it was. Yeah. The sixth thing that betrayed spouses wish their partners knew is that forgiving you isn't the same as trusting you. Mm-hmm. There are many times when the problem being experienced in a recovering relationship is not so much related to forgiveness, but related to trust issues. In other words, maybe forgiveness is already either well underway or has been granted. I forgive you for something. And then down the road, there's a question of trust. You need to understand there's a difference between them forgiving you and then learning to trust you again. And we've talked about that in other writings and other podcasts, but man, it is so mm-hmm. important for them to really understand that the work of forgiveness, I'm going to work on letting the past be the past, doesn't mean that now in the present, there are still issues I have with whether I can trust you or not. It's going to take enough time filled with the right stuff for me to have confidence that you're a trustworthy person. Sure. Well, I mean, the example I first think of, of course, is my ex-husband. I have forgiven him. Like when I think about that stuff, I make jokes about it sometimes, but it's because I really don't have any anger, animosity, anything for him anymore. I really don't. I can totally sit here and say, you know, nice things about him. And I really do genuinely feel like he, he was a very broken, mixed up person. And I think that's part of his pain came out in that kind of behavior. So, I mean, I literally, I've forgiven him and I wish him all the happiness in the world. And I mean that. However, I would not trust him again as a spouse. Forgiveness means letting go of the things the person's already done. It means letting go of kind of that anger and that resentment toward them about it. However, trust means believing that they will not do it again or choosing to believe that, choosing. And those are just very different things. I mean, because sometimes forgiveness can be fully realized and granted but never trust that person again, yeah, sure. just like you're saying. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, they are just different. They're very different. I, I would say forgiveness is more about the past and trusting is more about the future. Right. So the betrayer needs to understand that even when they've experienced the expression of forgiveness, they need to plan that there's still going to be more investment that needs to be made in trusting again and more questions that are going to pop up in the future about whether they can be trusted or not. Sure. That's normal. Yeah. It's necessary. Absolutely. And your commitment needs to be... When those things are questioned, I want to step in and assure you that you are safe with me. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, hey, I thought you forgave me. Why is this an issue still? Yeah. It's not about what they've done. It's about what you need to do to continue to establish trustworthiness in your marriage. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to the last thing that betrayed spouses wish their partners knew. Forgiveness doesn't mean forgetting. Just because I choose to not let the past affect my future doesn't mean triggers won't still happen. Right. Or it means I completely forget the choices that were made back then Mm-mm. and that it doesn't affect me at all anymore. Right. It just means that I'm going to work my best at not letting it affect the future, but I still remember what happened. There may be mm-hmm. things that come up in our future that we still have to work through and get through. Sure. Well, how many times do you hear that once an affair happens, people become aware of how often infidelity is portrayed in movies, songs, oh gosh, books. Yeah. Every all... single TV yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's everywhere. And, yeah. and, and that's and always going to be. And it's kind of laughed off a little bit mm-hmm. to some people. It's like it's like it's taken as normal and... uh, in some way. Yeah. You know, it's so sad. <laughs> yeah, so the, I think there's an understanding of the spouse that had the affair that there are constant reminders that constant. you're 
spouse or partner is having to deal with and they probably aren't telling you all of them mm -hmm. but sometimes they may need to because it's just too much or it's overwhelming or it's just a bad day yeah mm -hmm. so they're dealing with a lot more than maybe they even let on yeah it doesn't mean they don't forgive you yeah it just means that that thing has been burned into their memory i mean they're not going to be able to forget it yeah and i think that a healthy perspective of a healed marriage should be one in which there's not an expectation of oh we never think about this right. or talk about it anymore it's one in which when there are reminders of the past whether you're sitting on a couch and watching tv and something so close to your experience comes up there's no denying that both of you are thinking about the same thing yeah. that you're able to acknowledge it you're able to talk about it you're able to deal with it in a way that's that's okay mm -hmm. the recovery room podcast is a resource provided by affairhealing.com for more information about the podcast and resources for a fair recovery including archives of past programs and the schedule for upcoming ones please go to affairhealing.com slash podcast I'm your host, Tim Tedder. See you next time.